Hello and welcome to English Practice for Healthcare. I'm Helena and I'm an English language teacher and a registered nurse. I have experience of working in different areas of healthcare in the UK and I love talking to people about their health. I believe it brings up lots of useful examples of English that can't be found in textbooks. This is the fifth episode of my podcast to help you improve your vocabulary, your listening skills and general confidence with your English understanding. If you are a healthcare professional working in English as a second language or studying towards this goal, you will hopefully find this podcast a beneficial study tool. However, please keep in mind that this is not a source of medical advice and it's not intended to be used for you to make any medical decisions. Okay, let's get started. Do you know what type of disease celiac disease is? Or do you know anyone who is gluten intolerant? This episode is a conversation with Mark. Mark is 40 years old and in the last few years he has found out he has a mild intolerance to gluten. We talk about how he discovered this, how he finds following a gluten-free diet and how gluten affects him. There's also quite a lot of talk about beer. Can you predict by why can you predict why beer might come up in our conversation? So Mark isn't celiac and he doesn't have an allergy. Depending on how much you know about gluten intolerance and the differences between celiac disease and having a wheat allergy, you may wish to do some research on these conditions. I've put a link in the episode description to the website for Celiac UK, which is a charity that provides lots of useful information and uses clear, easy to understand English. This is an area of health where using the correct language and labels for conditions is very important. Patients such as Mark are increasingly being referred to as suffering with non-celiac gluten sensitivity. This is because these are two distinct conditions. In non-celiac gluten sensitivity, similar symptoms to celiac are experienced when gluten is consumed. However, unlike celiac disease, it is not an autoimmune illness. In autoimmune conditions, the immune system attacks its own healthy cells. In the case of celiac disease, this is in response to gluten and the response damages the cells in the lining of the patient's gut. The only treatment is not to eat gluten. Okay, some language to listen out for. In the beginning of the first half, I asked Mark if he has an accent. You will hear him make a comment about the English the king speaks. Does Mark think he speaks in a similar way to the king? In the UK, we sometimes refer to a 
style of speaking as the Queen's English. Another term for this is RP, which stands for Received Pronunciation. It used to be that news broadcasters in England could only use this style of language. Nowadays, you can hear a bit more variation in accents when you listen to the news. Okay, some questions to help you with your listening for detail skills. Number one. In the past, Mark was a policeman. How long was he a policeman for? Number two. See if you can list all the foods in the first half that Mark mentions are made with gluten. And a question to help you with your ability to listen and understand more general meanings. Mark mentions a few things that are negative about trying to follow a gluten-free diet. Is it true or false that Mark says the higher cost of being gluten-free is the most negative thing about it. If it's false, why is it false? Finally, if you are using the transcript to read while you listen, remember this can be found for free on my website, www.englishpracticeforhealthcare.com, you will see I've used the UK spelling of celiac. In other countries, they don't include an O before the E in the first syllable. Okay, I'll stop talking now so we can hear from Mark. Okay, here we go. Okay, hi Mark. Hello. Um, Where are you from? I'm from Sheffield in okay. England. What part of England is that? It's in the north. The north of Yeah, England. in Yorkshire. In Yorkshire. And do you have an accent? I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> More than me. I'm actually from Sheffield as well, but I don't really have much of an accent compared to you. Yeah, I don't think the king <laughs> speaks like this. <laughs> well, thank you for um, agreeing to chat to me. So, well, just tell me first, what, what do you do for work? I am a health and safety manager for a civil engineering company. Okay, is that a busy, busy job? It depends what we're doing at the time. We 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 dig uh, foundations for houses, mm-hmm. roads, sewers, deep drainage, things like that, and then people build houses on top of them. Okay, so quite important then. What what was your job before that? Um, I've done a few things. I've been a brewer. Uh, I've been, um, I've worked in security in the Middle East and oh, I've also yeah. been a police officer. And how long were you a police officer again? Ten years. Yeah, wow. Okay, and, but this job less stressful than being a policeman? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends some what days. day of the week it is. <laughs> mm. Yeah, some days it is, some days it isn't. Um, I think there's different types of stress in every job. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very true. So... I want to ask you about being gluten-free. Okay. So you live a gluten-free life, is that? Um, I try to, um, but it's very hard. And because I am more, I have a mild intolerance to gluten rather than being completely allergic to gluten or celiac. 
as yeah. some people would be. So I try and avoid gluten when I can, but sometimes I just have gluten because it's easy and it's everywhere. Yeah. And a lot of people are intolerant to gluten without knowing it. Yeah. Um, I don't think necessarily the human body's designed to ingest as much gluten as, as mm. what we do. Yeah, so you said it's it's difficult to be gluten-free. Why is that? It's um, because it. it's in a lot of the, the staple foods that we eat on mm. a day-to-day basis. So um, gluten tends to occur in grains. Um, so it's in barley. Um, and, and that is the thing that we make bread from, we make beer from. Um, it can be in um, seasoning packets that you season mm. your meat with. Um, it, or, or anything that's made with flour. <laughs> Um, with the exception of, of, of some of the grains, corn, um, oats, I don't think naturally have gluten in them. But even if you mill a grain somewhere with another grain, you get the cross-contamination. So if you mill oats and mill, uh, mill barley in the same mill, yeah. uh, you're going to get cross-contamination. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in a lot, of, a lot of foodstuffs, drinks sometimes. Apparently the body can develop um, an oh. intolerance to gluten so I might not have had an intolerance 20 years ago or, or not a noticeable intolerance mm. like mm. I said a, a lot of people are without knowing it um, but the, the intolerance has obviously become become worse my body's been, become more sensitive um, mm-hmm. to, to gluten um, so so yeah uh, it's, it's something that's developed over time oh. I went um, to the doctor just because I had sort of general fatigue, tiredness, physically, mentally. Um, I, I wasn't as sharp as I used to be. Um, and a lot of sort of bloating, digestive discomfort, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing sort of serious, but enough to make me go to the, the doctors for, for the energy mainly. It was the energy yeah. side of things. I felt so sort of, um, well, fatigued and, and, mm. and weak and... So that's why I went and that's when he told me that I should probably try cutting out gluten. Right, right. So did he say that pretty early on? Was it... It it was after blood tests. But he said, look, I've looked at your blood tests, everything's fine. uh, But I would suggest maybe watching how much gluten you consume and trying to cut out. So he didn't tell me I had to cut gluten out completely. Okay, yeah. Um, But he said, you've got an intolerance to gluten and... If you cut that out, I think your body will have more energy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just something we shouldn't have, but we, mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. It, to be fair, it makes so many good things. Yeah. We eat on a daily basis. Cakes. We, maybe we shouldn't do cakes, <laughs> buns, bread. I mean, bread's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I love bread and I still eat bread probably more than I should do. Yeah. But, um, it also comes into... Fresh bread doesn't tend to affect me as as processed, like yeah. the, the the sealed white loaf. I, I <clears throat> wouldn't feel great after that. But if I go and get some fresh sourdough mm. from the bakery, then I f- it doesn't really make me feel that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's to do with sort of its freshness or something. Mm. Um, but but yeah, it's hard to stay away. Beer's pretty bad. That affects me quite a lot. So I don't drink that that much anymore. Mm. I tend to drink cider instead. Made from fruit. Doesn't have the gluten. Yeah, yeah. I don't think many people would know that if you're gluten free, you can't like you have, yeah. That beer, as you said before, drinks contain it. It's yeah. um, 
So where did you go? Did you get much information at that appointment with the doctor about um, Yeah, changes? he gave me some handouts. He told me yeah. where to look online. And that's when I really started looking into it because at the time I had a brewery. So that was mm. my main job. I was around gluten every day. Right. I was carrying 25 kilo sacks of uh, barley around and making beer from 150 kilos of barley every time. And uh, so... I'm making a drink that actually I shouldn't even be drinking myself. Um, drinking a lot of it. Yeah, more than well, testing. Be. Testing. <laughs> uh, quality control. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's sort of possibly One what brought it on. Mm. Your body's sort of um, rejecting something that you're having too much of. Yeah. So it's your body saying, well, I, I, can, I can have this much gluten. I can have 10%. Um, of gluten in, in your overall diet but now you're going to 15 20% gluten in your overall diet maybe you need to cut it down a little bit and it's your body's way of of rejecting and increasing what what you're you're taking in your body just can't cope with it mm -hmm. um, I think it's maybe just an increase in, in what you, you're taking on a daily basis mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so did you but you can get gluten-free beer can't you yeah I mean I used to make gluten-free beer but the the most popular types of well, the most popular gluten-free beers, you actually make a beer with gluten and you use a mm. chemical comp or some sort of magic magic liquid. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how the, uh, you use it, but it's, um, it's an addition that you put into the beer that breaks the gluten down mm -hmm. um, and the gluten, the, they sort of measure it in parts per million. So if your beer is below a certain amount of parts per million, it's classed as gluten-free. You can use... Um, a, an addition to the beer, a liquid addition that breaks the gluten down to bring it below mm -hmm. the threshold. So you're still using gluten to start with, whereas the other less popular way of doing it, mainly because of its expense, is you make a beer out of grains that don't contain gluten. Mm. Um, things like sorghum, um, mm. which is quite popular in Africa. You, you grow it a lot in Africa. Um, but you don't really get it here, so it becomes very expensive right. to produce beer out of those sort of grains. Corn is another one, so you increase the corn addition. A lot of sort of Spanish beers contain rice as part of oh. their, their their grain bill, if you like. Um, so they reduce the amount of barley that they've got yeah. in there. They increase the amount of rice. Um, but again, the reason that beer is traditionally made from barley is because barley's the best thing to make beer from. And the taste. Um, and the taste and everything else. You, if you made a, a beer out of 100% sorghum, it'd probably taste terrible. You wouldn't mm, do it. Mm -hmm. um, you've also got to... It comes down to how you extract the sugars from different types of grain. Barley is a really simple grain to extract sugars from, which go towards your, your, your beer taste, uh, the amount of alcohol content, all the things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, so... But you said about cost. So are gluten-free options of other things as well, foods, drinks, are they more expensive? Usually, yeah, because you've got mm. an extra um, sort of an extra part of the process mm -hmm. um, and, and people need to, for example, the, the stuff I used to, to buy to put in the beer that I made, I think a litre of that was about £150. If you compare it to a litre of lemonade that costs you about a pound, it's quite an expensive liquid mm -hmm. by, uh, by quantity. Um, so I, actually, yeah, it does make quite a considerable increase in the cost. Mm. Um, again, if you're trying to make beer out of things that 
don't contain gluten. You're importing it normally. Uh, mm. I looked into a, importing sorghum from Africa um, and it was ridiculously expensive and you'd probably have a, a lower quality product at the end mm. of it as well. So since trying to follow a gluten-free diet, has, do you think like, so your costs have gone up? So obviously the cost, if you're making a gluten-free beer, it will be more expensive to make. But I mean, you in your day-to-day life. Yeah been a bit more expensive so it's yeah a little bit um it's more the narrowing of your options so a lot of places still don't have the gluten-free options um it's kind of it's it's on me to know what yeah gluten in it what hasn't there we're quite blessed in sheffield there's a lot of breweries that a lot of which are turning out gluten-free options using the chemical addition method um Mm -hmm. but there are gluten-free beers out there. It's just, I know what they are. A yeah. Lot of people maybe don't. Um, but the information's available mm-hmm. out there. And food-wise, then, well, yeah, I suppose you touched on it earlier. If you have to buy, like, fresh bread, that's more expensive. Yeah. Than... Yeah, it is. There are gluten-free breads. They're rubbish. I don't think mm. I've come across a gluten-free bread that is um, a, 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 a Close. comparable. Yeah. To, so, I mean, it's the same with, with pasta. Mm. Um, the gluten-free pasta is not as good as mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah mm. it, it makes it, it narrows your choice it makes it harder to just go and pick something up yeah okay first half a useful piece of vocabulary that came up there was cross-contamination this was when mark discussed the issues in food production when gluten is found in non-gluten foods. This can happen if foods are produced in the same factory. Cross-contamination can also occur in healthcare. For example, to avoid cross-contamination of any harmful bacteria between patients, we wash our hands before and after any contact. So question number one. Mark used to be a police officer. And how long were you a police officer again? Ten years. So that was for ten years. Secondly, Mark mentioned pasta, bread, buns and cakes as examples of gluten-containing foods. A bun in the UK is a small individual sponge cake which sometimes has icing on the top. And the third question, true or false, Mark says the cost of being gluten-free is the most negative thing. This was false because although Mark mentioned that the cost of being gluten-free is a bit higher, he felt it was more an issue of your options being narrowed and that he needs to be aware of what his options are himself. So since trying to follow a gluten-free diet, has do you think, like, so your costs have gone up? So obviously the cost, if you're making a gluten-free beer, it will be more expensive to make. But I mean, you in your day-to-day life... Yeah. It's been a bit more expensive, so it's... Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's more the narrowing of your options, so a lot of places yeah. still don't have the gluten-free options um it's kind of it's it's on me to know what's yeah. got the gluten in it what hasn't 
there, we're quite blessed in Sheffield. There's a lot of breweries that a lot of which are turning out gluten free options using the chemical addition method. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are gluten free beers out there. It's just I know what they are. In the second half, Mark talks about how other people with non-celiac gluten sensitivity can use social media to share their knowledge of where to find good quality gluten-free products. I also asked Mark a bit more about his symptoms. Can you notice how I asked Mark if he suffers with either diarrhoea or constipation without actually using these words? Try and listen out for his other symptoms too. And for you personally, because obviously everyone will be different, um, if you have gluten, how long do you suffer afterwards? Um, I think it kind of depends on what the source of the gluten is a lot of the time. It could be a few days. I just feel um, fatigued and tired. um, Lethargic. Yeah, just lethargic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, They're the main symptoms that affect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know other people I'll have more sort of um, digestive issues with it and stuff but for me it is the energy um, and that feeling of, of um, sort of fatigue and tiredness yeah. and like, lethargic so to, is digestive issues do you mean like going to the toilet is it harder or it, no, it's, the opposite it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, no, it's, it's more discomfort yeah, um, being bloated no, right. it doesn't affect me in, in that way so much mm-hmm. um, it just makes you feel more uncomfortable mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just like um, low level pain yeah um, but but nothing that, that and I say it affects different people in different ways but that's not a, as big a, of an issue for me um, and so you mentioned to me the other day about being in a Facebook group have you found that like online in terms of getting information have you found anything you could recommend to anyone who is gluten-free or wants to recommend to their patients who are gluten-free where to look i mean it's purely selfish because the group i've joined is a fish and chip shop group because <laughs> i love fish and chips <laughs> actually if i had to give up fish and chips instead of i mean i'd give up beer before i gave up fish and chips um, but obviously the batter mm contains gluten and with the type of meal fish and chips is anyway quite heavy quite yeah. like it the gluten-free alternatives out there it's quite important that you know where to go now i still do eat fish and chips that have gluten in them but where i can i take i, I go to the gluten-free ones but again like every everything else um some are better than others so the uh, the Facebook group I've joined is uh, gluten-free fish and chip shops in the United Kingdom or something right, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there the are official. Quite, the official one. <laughs> um, there are quite a lot of Facebook groups um, surrounding gluten-free. And I think the Celiac Society have uh, yeah, okay. quite a prominent Facebook page. I think that's what they're called. Um, mm. Celiac so, Society, yeah is, is a, yeah, is a charity. So they also offer some advice about being... Yeah, yeah, they've, they've got. I, I see that pop up on Facebook quite a lot, and I think yeah. I probably, probably follow the page. Um, but there are a lot of things where people around the country, like I say, that the the one that I use a lot is is the fish and chip shop one. Um, there's so many different options around the country that people have put on there to say if you go to this place, uh, you can get gluten free fish and chips here. You can get it here. You can get it here, and there are 
similar groups for other things as well. So mm. I, I don't doubt there's a bakery one where you can yeah. get cakes and bread and stuff that are really good. But you have to rely on um, these sort of tips from other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, because a lot of the time it's easy to get it wrong and you just have something that you would rather have not eaten in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the gluten-free community, you look out for each other to still yeah. be able to enjoy delicious That's it. treats. Keeling's in Barnsley, fish and chip shop. Shout out for <laughs> there Keeling's. There you go. That's my favourite. They are really good. <laughs> just five minutes from Junction 37 of the M1. <laughs> Ian is celiac himself. You see, uh, he's had the fish and he's had the fish and chip shop for a long time, but he's celiac, so he he cooks. He but it's literally, it's better than normal fish and chips. What he produces. <laughs> um, have you ever kept a food diary? Were you ever told to keep a food diary? Uh, I was probably told to, yeah, but I, I yeah. don't. Um, but I, 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 I mean, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, but don't keep anything like that. Some people. Probably Find should. it helps. Yeah, them. definitely. Because I've always worked in jobs sometimes where you just think, I, I've not eaten for so many hours. Mm. I've just got to eat the nearest thing. Yeah. And you kind of prepare to know that some things are going to make me feel worse than others. But I just need to get some food inside me because I'm on the road a lot. Yeah. Um, and I should maybe be better about making food before I go to work, but I'm not. Yeah. So. E- easier said than done, isn't yeah. it? Well, thank you for helping raise awareness of being gluten-free it's quite all right thank Thank you you. mark bye Bye. okay perfect so mark gave the example of using facebook to find out where to get the best fish and chips fish and chips is a very popular dish in the uk and you can find a photo of it on my website that goes with this episode mark mentioned the lack of energy so symptoms of feeling fatigued and lethargic. He experiences this if he eats gluten. He also experiences digestive discomfort, but not constipation or diarrhea. Yeah, just lethargic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they're, they're the main symptoms that affect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know other people I'll have more sort of... Um, digestive issues with it and stuff but for me it is the energy um and that feeling of of um sort of fatigue and yeah and like lethargic so is digestive issues do you mean like going to the toilet is it harder or the opposite uh, no it's it's more discomfort with constipation it's harder to go to the toilet and the frequency decreases with diarrhea You can need to go to the toilet very frequently and it can be urgent, which is the opposite to having constipation. So this conversation with Mark has again drawn attention to how the same medical issues can affect people in different ways. And we need to use our communication skills to find out about individual symptoms. Lovely. So thank you again to Mark for sharing his health experience with us. And thank you to you uh, for listening. Thank you. Please do email me if you have any questions about English from today's or any other episodes. It's helena at englishpracticeforhealthcare.com. And if you like the podcast, then please rate it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you are listening from these platforms. 
The next episode should be out in around two weeks. Okay, so enjoy your English practice and thanks again. I'll speak to you soon. Bye, bye. 